So hey, um, so yeah, Chris and I are going to be sharing tonight. We're going to be wrapping up our dirty laundry series, and just we just kind of wanted to share a few things with you tonight that we want you to grasp hold of, that we want you to realize and want you to learn. We're not going to be speaking for very long tonight, so we want you to catch this, to listen up, to pay attention. So, um, so a couple of weeks ago, just a quick recap. Just a quick recap. A couple of weeks ago, we kicked off this series, and and if you weren't here last week or the the week before, um, let's take a kind of quick look. So basically, we all have dirty laundry in our lives. We all have things that we're not so proud of in our lives. We all have sin. In the Bible, in Romans, it tells us that all have sinned. And that means that every single one of us, and the biggest problem is that so many of us of us face, just like dirty laundry, we, we try to hide that sin in our lives, and we don't want anyone to know about it. But the truth that we discovered in week one was that the dirty laundry that we hide, God will expose. And the dirty laundry that we expose, God will clean. And, the, and that's what I love about our God. He's in the business of making dirty things clean. But in order to get over sin, we have to address the sin. We have to address it. And we do that by one. We talked about this. By, the first thing was telling God. And the second thing, do you guys remember? Tell, tell, tell a trusted someone. Tell, some, tell others. And, um, but what happens the, the next week, we talked about what happens, though, when the temptation creeps back in when it steps back into our lives. And that's what we talked about. And, and what happens when we continue to sin, continue to fall back in that, uh, that, that sin over and over. And, and what that does, though, in our lives, that brings shame and that brings guilt in our lives. And we talked about how God is madly in love with this. He's not, he's not mad at us, but he's madly in love with us. And then we talked about how Peter denied Jesus three times. If you remember that, we talked about before Jesus was taken and crucified and killed on a cross, that he denied even knowing Jesus three times. And then later on, after Jesus was, was crucified, killed on that cross, and put in a tomb and buried and rose again three days later, he came back and he found Peter and he said, Peter, I forgive you for that. And he told him that three times to cover up for the three times that he denied Jesus. And he said, I love you. I love you. I love you. Feed my sheep. He's saying, I love you and I trust you so much. And I forgive you so much. I'm relying on you. And I'm asking you to take the gospel around the world. And and what an amazing story that is. And so he loved him. He forgave him. And he still wanted Peter to change the world. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus wants to do the exact same thing for us as well. We mess up. We make mistakes. We do bad things. We, we sin. But the thing is, when we, when we repent, when we ask for forgiveness, Jesus says, I, I give it to you. I forgive you. Now go and change the world. Go do something. Go, go, go live differently. And basically he says, scripturally, he says, go and sin no more. Learn from your mistakes and change your lives. So, so that's what we talked about the first two weeks. And so tonight, we're going to talk about... <laughs> no, I, I don't, you tell that. Me? Yeah. I thought you were going to tell that. You tell better stories than I do. Okay, well... No, you do. Well, so, okay, so we got our lines crossed here. So here's what's going to happen. Here's how our usual stories go. I start telling the story, and then she corrects everything that I say. Right. So years ago, um, when we were dating, 
Right, back in the 1900s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, back when we, I, we still rode horses everywhere. Um, <laughs> so, so back in the day, way back in the day, when we were dating, uh, I, was, I was in college, or I went to college, and I moved away. Uh, we were in a relationship. I two moved hours. two hours away. I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's where I was going to school, and, and she lived at a different place. And so our relationship, no one knows where you, the town where you lived, um, but our Someone relationship, it, it, was, it was, we had a distance between us. Mm-hmm. And there, there was a, a, not only an, a time distance, but that was like, honestly, like that was back at, well, it was before that time, but we were poor enough that we didn't have cell phones. You remember that? Well, because they were really expensive. They were super expensive. Like you they could, were, yeah. They were the cool flip phones back in the day. I had my own line in my room, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Party line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a teen line. But anyways, <laughs> so, no, so get this. So not only that, we lived two hours separating each other, but we were limited on contact Yeah, I got to well. catch you when you're at home. Yeah. yeah. And so it was a struggle. In our relationship. And so we, I, we would have to put out effort and put out time, like on weekends. I would have to take weekends off or different times off from my job so I could travel home and we could spend time together. Or there were times there, her and her brother, because he was always our chaperone, um, her and her brother would travel and, and meet stay, me. And I'd stay with his brother, his brother and wife, yes. in Sand Springs. And then Caleb, my brother, would stay with him. So, yeah. yeah. We... we, we Put up safeguards. We played it safe. I had my own apartment, and uh, she actually stayed with my brother and Caleb and I. Yeah, that was. Yeah. We played Nintendo sixty four all the time. I was so good at Goldeneye. It was like how you guys are with Fortnite. I was that good. So, anyways, so I don't know where. So we had this distance between us, but we had to put out extra effort to keep our relationship strong, to keep our relationship together. Um, and so, so tonight. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be wrapping up this series, and we're going to ask a simple question. Yeah. So everybody, close your eyes with me and ask a really simple, simple question. Come on, close your eyes. Maybe you feel weird, but here's what I want to ask. What is the one thing that is holding you back in your relationship with Jesus? Okay, you can open your eyes. Or, I bet the one thing that's holding yeah. what? I was just going to say just... Hopefully you thought of that yeah, one thing. the one thing that's holding you back. But the first thing, when you think of that thing that's holding you back, you know, it's the first thing that jumps in your mind. You know, you could think of several things, but, you know, there sometimes is a one thing that you're like, yep, that's it. Like, if I, wanted, if I wanted a stronger relationship with Jesus, I would probably get rid of that. And we all seem to have that one thing, and it just keeps us in the way of our relationship with Jesus. Maybe for some of you, that one thing is a relationship a dream, a sport, an addiction, a habit, something from your past. Maybe you're here and you really don't know Jesus, so that is a simple fact that holds you back because you just don't have a relationship with him. And here's what you need to know tonight. That one thing is not the final thing. It's not the break you, make you or break you. In Romans 8, 35 through 39, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, or sword. Some of us may be nakedness. I don't know why I just cracked. As it is written, (laughs) for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which reminds me of that song that we were just singing, The Heart of God. Lord, your mercy triumphs over judgment. Which is, I love that. You know, his mercy is stronger than any judgment or any weight that we can feel over what we're going through or any sin in our life or any struggle in our life. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I can't remember the words. Your mercy triumphs over judgment. Love wider than horizon, stronger than all sin. Lord, your kindness leads me to repentance, to the heart of God. And that is the heart of God, Romans 8, 35-39, that nothing can separate us from his love. You see, there is one thing, there isn't just one thing or a million things that will ever be able to stop the love of God that has, he has for you. But that one thing or those several things can put distance, like what Jeremy was talking about, can put space between you and God. And then whenever the space is created, then disobedience is created, and that's where the sin comes in and creeps in. But I love that, that Jesus, there's nothing that can separate us from his love. Yeah, so tonight, I, I just kind of want to take a moment and just kind of remind us something real quick. Um, I, I just want to remind us of what Jesus came to do. Um, and so we're just going to take a step back, and we're just going to kind of look at, at Jesus and who he is and, and what Jesus did. And so Jesus was in paradise, in heaven, nothing better than heaven. He was there, and he, he lived there. That's where he, like air conditioning, the best Wi-Fi there is, like comfortable, like he, he lived well. But he chose to take his life and to become like one of us. And so he came as a baby into the earth and he lived a childhood like most of us would live, except without air conditioning and Wi-Fi. And then, and, but he, he came to the earth as a baby. He lived as a child. He grew up as a teenager, just like so many of you guys are. Imagine like, Jesus had siblings. Imagine like being Jesus's brother. Like he's the favorite child, you know, like he's perfect. He does everything right. I mean, like, I don't know, that would be terrible, but not really. Man, my jokes are bad tonight. But, um, but imagine though, like, so he lived as a teenager and then at age 30, that's when he began ministry. That's when he began to, to reach people, to heal people, to touch people, to change people's lives. He loved everyone. He served everyone. He helped. He healed everyone. Not everyone, but most people he came in contact with changed so many people's lives. He set the example for how we should live. And then some, he made some people mad, and they arrested him, and they took him, and he was falsely arrested, falsely accused, and, and he was beaten, he was spit on, he was attacked, he was, he was stripped naked, and he was nailed by his hands and his feet to a cross in front of all the world, in front of every, for everyone to see. And he hung on the cross, and in that time and in that moment, he took our sins, he took our mess-ups, he took our mistakes, and, and in that moment, Jesus himself was separated from God for the first time. 
and he was buried. But the great thing is that he didn't stay in that tomb. He didn't stay there. And three days later, he rose again. And, and why, though? Why would someone who, who's living in a perfect place, anything you could ever have, anything far beyond your imagination of what you could ever dream or ever imagine, that's where he was at. That's where he lived. That's what he was a part of. Why would he leave all of that to come here and to be like one of us and to live like one of us? Well, he did that because he loves us so much that he chose to go through all of those things so that the sin and the stains and the dirty laundry of our lives could be made clean. He did that for us so that we could hopefully eventually spend eternity with him in heaven someday. And that's the gospel and that's the simple truth that that one thing or those million things that you struggle with, that you thought of just a moment ago, that, that all those things that you struggle with, he still loves you all the same. That does not change his love for you. That never changes his love for you. And, so, and that's the gospel, and that's what he is, Jesus is all about. He's all about loving us. He's all about forgiving us. He's all about showing us grace and showing us mercy. Here's the great thing about tonight. Like we all have dirty laundry. We all have mess ups. We all have mistakes. We all have things that we've done that we're not so proud of. But here's what I love about Jesus, that he loves us so much that he doesn't allow us to just stay the same. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that saying that it's okay to not be okay. You've probably heard that before, that it's okay to not be okay. But I really believe that God wants to put it this way. I really want, he wants us to know that it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And, and I believe what he's saying is that, yeah, we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes, and I forgive you for that, and I love you despite of all of your mess ups and your mistakes. But I want to give you a chance to change. I want to give you a chance to make things different. I want to give you a chance to forgive others or to forgive yourself. I want to give you that chance or that opportunity to make some changes. And he's saying, it's okay to not be okay. But I want you to grow and I want you to change. And it's not okay to just continually stay that way. There's a story. I just want to share this real quick. Uh, You may have heard of Alexander the Great. And he he was a great um, war hero. He was one of the greatest military commanders in history. He was undefeated in battle. And, and what happened one night is he was walking around uh, where all his soldiers are, and he walked up to uh, one of his guards who were supposed to be guarding at his guard post. And he walked up, and this young man was asleep at his guard post. And this is the guy, he's undefeated in battle, undefeated in, in, in anything. He's won every battle that he's ever faced. And, he, and he, for most people, falling asleep at your post would have been immediate death. But he walks up to this young man who fell asleep at his post and he said, young man, wake up. And he woke up and he startled and he was scared and he was afraid because he knew the consequences of this. And he stood up and he was stumbling and he said, "What's young man, what is your name? And he responded, he said, my name is Alexander. I'm named after you, the greatest war hero there ever was. And as Alexander the Great was walking away, he said, Soldier, either change your conduct or change your name. 
He said, I don't want to be affiliated. Don't put your name on, on laziness. Don't put your name on me or don't put your name on this. And I really believe that, that may, maybe Jesus is saying to some of us tonight, there's a lot of us in this room who have been born, not born, but raised in church, been a, lot, been a part of this for a long time, but maybe we're running so far from God. But we may still raise our hand. We may still say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and I, would, I, I, would, I think Jesus tonight, he's saying to us in response to us, he's saying, follower of Jesus, like, are you living up to that name? Are, are you living up to that? Are, are you following? Are you truly following he? Maybe, maybe you're here and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but your lifestyle, your, your dirty laundry doesn't resemble that. Tonight, maybe you're here in this place and you need to make a change. You need to do something different. You need to begin to make a change in your life and begin to live for Jesus. John 10, 10, it says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. In another version, he says life abundantly, which means I came to give you a great life and not just a great life, but an amazing life. And I think sometimes we look at being a follower of Jesus as, as something that's difficult and something that's really hard to do. But I, I want to encourage you, as, as you give in to Jesus and as you begin to follow him and follow his plans for your life, I can tell you in my life the way that I, I've been where you're at. I've ran so hard from Jesus. I didn't want to be a part of this. I was a pastor's kid. I was raised in church, and, and I, didn't, I ran so hard from my calling, and I ran so hard from, from church for so long. But when I re- found real, true joy, when I found real, true peace in my life, is when I gave my life back to him. Say, Jesus, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of running away from you. I'm tired of the sin in my life. I'm tired of doing all these things. Jesus, I want to live for you. And when I did that, and when I learned his plan and his calling for my life, I've never found so much joy so much peace in my life. And he wants the same thing for you. See, students, when you put your life in the hands of Jesus, when you come to him just as you are with your stains and your dirty laundry and all of that, he cleans you and he brings you purpose and he brings you direction and he brings you new life.